Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. This week we got Rob Croyle. Hello. Molly Patterson. Hi. And myself, Logan Daly. Hi, self. <laughs> uh, we were going to have Brandon here, but Brandon, the the universe has conspired against him full, fully Just a this touch. week. Uh, he's broken down in his, his poor little truck, has broken down every single time he's been trying to get to <laughs> footnotes here. And finally, we were like, let's just get it recorded. Yeah, I can't come in another time with the kids, so. Very sad, very sad. He will be uh, missed. He will be missed. We left an empty chair and a microphone just for him. Hello, empty chair. (laughs) It sounds like Clint Eastwood there, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so. Do you feel lucky, punk? (laughs) Jeez. Oh my! All right, so bringing up back my childhood, huh? What is is that your childhood? Dirty Harry. Oh jeez! I love those movies. Dirty Harry and Spaghetti Westerns. Yes, sir. Fistful of dollars. Oh man! Was it fistful of pesos? I forget. It was yeah. Something involving the good, the bad, the ugly. My dad tried to get me to watch westerns. I had no no patience for Spaghetti them. Spaghetti westerns are different than westerns. I've never even heard that term. Like I'm betting that your dad tried to get you to watch like John Wayne. Yeah, he did like John yeah, Wayne. Yeah, that's a western. Spaghetti yeah. western is like they were like filmed over in Italy, I think. Yes, they were. And they're meant to be like westerns in America, but they were filmed over in Italy. Interesting. Uh, it, it's I've never whole, heard that term before. It's a whole different thing. It's huh. yeah. It was a little See, bit before your time. I don't really like black and white films. These are these are in color. Are they? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things I could just never get into. Just because I'm old doesn't mean Sorry. just because Rob's in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> I like my color. What can I say? <laughs> Zing! Uh, it was Technicolor, which is not the same as what we have today. But. <laughs> oh, it was it was a wonderful thing. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that was a great tangent. Uh, let's kick her off with uh, a little discipleship moment for the week here. We wanted to talk about the relationship that Paul and Timothy had. Yes. So this week in the passage, it was a real short little snippet from Philippians where Paul is using Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples and the relationship that Paul describes as having with Timothy is uh, like a father or a son or a bond servant and we felt like it might be worth our time to talk about what that looks like what we could draw from that etc Rob you want to weigh in on that one? Yes. So when we think in terms of discipleship, I feel like um, American Christianity, I mean, kind of what I grew up with was someone would recognize that there was something going on in my life and they would recognize that I needed discipleship. And so they would hand me a book. By discipleship, you mean course correction. 
Course correction. Yeah, yeah. You. That's what I just heard. You are broken, Rob. Here's a book, and after this book, you'll be all better. All better. And that, to me, that was kind of the discipleship that um, I grew up under. That was my experience, by and large. And uh, it's not what Paul's describing here at all. I mean, he's talking about an intimate relationship where the one acts like a son to the other and is willing to go wherever, you know, like their lives are intertwined. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, they're sharing meals together. They're usually learning a trade too, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be, I mean, if, if Timothy is following Paul around and Paul is a tent maker, I mean, at the, when he starts following Paul around, Paul is not doing tent making. He's just running from town to town and getting kicked out mm-hmm. afterwards. So Timothy's learning how to agitate people pretty well. <laughs> um, but then as they progress, Paul settles down with uh, oh, Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla in, isn't that Ephesus? I think so. Maybe you're Corinth. I, one of those two uh, that we read about in Acts and in his second missionary <coughs> journey. And at that point, if Timothy's with him, Timothy would be probably hanging out, making tents with all three of them. Yeah. Probably learning that. Spending day in, day out with with Paul. Yeah, so, you know, in today's world, you probably probably not going to change your career if you're going to be discipled by somebody. But you may show up for barbecues. You may show up to birthday celebrations. You may show up to... Maybe even a holiday event. You're talking every day. There's there's ongoing conversation all the time. And this is what we see Jesus do with his disciples. This is what we see the first church do. We see Paul gravitate towards this. He didn't start here like you said. He he started out as a street evangelist and then towards the end he probably continued to do that part, but he also invested in people deeply. And it gets to the point where Paul can send Timothy out as a as a pastor. Uh, he leads a church, but it's really based upon this intimate relationship. And I did I did have um, my first mentor. Uh, Twelve years we spent together and. I went with him and and did a lot of things. I showed up for his birthday parties. I did barbecues at his house. He came to my house. We were involved in in more than just ministry and more than just Sunday services together. Uh, we saw each other probably two three times a week. Yeah. Well, and it's the what I get out of this is that Timothy is Timothy is making a conscious choice um but so is paul in the sense that they're both devoted to each other like they they've decided that i'm i'm timothy is going to follow paul right and he's going to do what paul is going to do and and this is the they're going they're choosing this son father relationship that they've developed that doesn't happen by accident 
No. Um, no, that's and, intentional and leading. It happens on. It happens by one. Paul says, "Yeah, I'm going to take you under my wing like this." But Timothy also, like, there's there's a there's a Paul's part and a Timothy's part in that Timothy also says, "Yep, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go with him." Um, and what that translates for me in 21st century America is I'm going to be conscious about how I am discipling people and I'm going to make decisions to bring those people along to invite those people into doing whatever the heck I'm doing on my day-to-day basis Um, and I'm going to probably make sacrifices in order to disciple them on some Mm -hmm. to some level like if we really want to look like what Paul is modeling here that's what it's going to take Sure. Yeah. Yeah. When we, as I have adult children, and so when I look at my week, I'm thinking about my adult children and what, what kind of involvement are they going to, you know, who's going to be at home on Friday night? Who's going to be part of the meal plan? And I, and I see Paul making those same kinds of decisions mm-hmm. in his relationship with Timothy. Like, is that intentional that, oh, Timothy's going to be over Friday night. We're going to need another steak. I like even uh we were helping you move yesterday. Is that yesterday? Yeah. Seems like so long ago. <laughs> uh, a long time. My long body time doesn't ago in a galaxy far far away. My body doesn't think it was a long time ago. <laughs> uh that's funny. But uh you like you were you were having a discussion with your daughter about doing some college like paperwork stuff. And I, one thing that I noticed was you you told her like, "Okay, I, I got it on the calendar for 7." like seven tomorrow or seven tonight or something, whenever it was. Yeah. But there was like a specific time and it wasn't just, okay, yeah, we'll do that. It was a, all right, here's when we're going to do that. Yeah. And it was, it was very like, that was very intentional. Um, and I'm like, oh, that it resounded with me of like taking intentionally taking time with your kid. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that if this is something that's important to her, you're going to intentionally carve out a chunk of time for that. Um, what you didn't see was the three other times that she asked me about that, and I forgot to put it on my calendar. You know, well, you didn't need to mention that. I was building you up here, ancient of days. Come on now. <laughs> but yeah, it does. It takes. You know, we our kids need our time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And discipleship, if that is going to be something that you will take on, you will set something else aside. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be every discipleship relationship. Like, there there are varying degrees, I would say. Um, you know, I there's I'm investing in multiple people at any given point. Sure. Sure. But I don't have, you know, 12 different people that I am saying like, yup, I'm going to cut out massive amounts of time to invest upon you individually um, and kind of create this Paul-Timothy relationship. I, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be lucky if I got one, maybe two people that I can do with that with, and I don't even have a family. Right. You know. Well, and I think in terms of, for me, I grew up on the lake with my family. And someone asked me the other day, like, and would you like to have a boat? Would you want to have a boat? They weren't offering offering me a boat, but they were just asking. <laughs> just theoretically, w- Rob, would you would you enjoy owning a boat? 
And on the one hand, the, the answer is absolutely, because I just loved my time on the lake. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I know that I would be gone every weekend, mm. and the and the lake and the boat would consume me, mm. and that, and it would detract from what my life is about. Yeah which is about relationships, about people investing in others that invest in others. And that's what I've chosen for my life. And I, I take a break every so often and uh, we'll go to the lake, you know, with, with a friend and I thoroughly enjoy that time, but I don't let that time run my schedule. Sure. And if you're going to be a disciple maker, Maybe it needs to, maybe that really needs to be a big part of your schedule. Determine that, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to carve out a chunk of time to make disciples. And that'll, I'm going to put that in front of my own wants and needs, desires. Which is very different than I think the average Christian life of Mm -hmm. sometimes choosing to engage. I agree. Yeah. I think our to-do lists get, they kind of override everything else sometimes. And I know for me personally, it's always been something that I've tried to uh, hold my to-do list open so that if somebody needs something or they need to talk, I can be like, this mm. stuff can wait. Yeah. Like, but the relationship can't. Um, yeah. So, but it's exhausting to like, I mean, I especially, like I have three young kids, so I'm like trying to like, give them each time and like showing them how to live out a Christian life because I feel like a lot of Christians think it's a lot more complicated than it is. And it's just like showing them like little things that they can do, like reading the Bible book that we have and doing, um, I've started listening to, um, it reads a chapter, an audio book, or it's like a podcast that reads a chapter of the Bible Every morning, so yeah. we do that during breakfast, yeah. and just like little things that don't take a lot of time, but. Well, and I do believe that discipleship or children can't be um, stressed enough. I mean, I think sometimes we want to kind of discount that. Oh yeah, disciple your kids too. No, no, no. Start with discipling your kids, mm-hmm. and then disciple your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And if your kids are young, those are. F- formable years take the time take the time to disciple them for sure cool so in the same line of talking about timothy and such but let's throw epaphroditus in there too why do you think paul chooses timothy and epaphroditus as his examples here in philippians Mm. Boy, I'll tell you what. So first of all, we know very little about Paphroditus. Uh, we know that he has a common name. It's kind of like William. John Smith. John Smith, yep. It's a pretty common name in that in that time frame. So we don't know very many specifics about this person that Paul is writing about. Other and than he came from Philippi. 
Yeah. Now he said he's a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. And we get the picture that maybe he was both a worker and soldier to Paul, but also a worker and soldier to the people of Philippi. And so potentially he was a retired uh, soldier. Could have been. Took up farming, retired there. Yeah. Don't know uh, that for sure, though, because, I mean, could have been like, ah, oh, we're all soldiers in Christ's army. You know, we're soldiering along together. There you go. I don't you know, Could've it's been. a good question. But I think really uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus kind of represent guys that you grew up with. Mm. You know, when you when we look at Paul, Paul's example and, and, and what Paul addresses about himself in this letter and the kinds of things that Paul says about himself, like he's talking about what a mature believer does someone who's been at this a long time sure and i feel like sometimes we look at people that have been doing this a long time you know maybe maybe our pastor maybe it's our our grandma or grandfather uh maybe someone in in this in the scriptures like paul and we see the end result and we go i don't know how i could ever (laughs) get there yeah you know, I've I've had people say I I don't know how I could ever do what Abraham did. Well, Abraham didn't start out there. No one starts out there. It's kind of like seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, when he's Mister Whatever, Mister Atlas, or whatever it was that Mister Universe, Mister Universe. You know, seeing then the end result. Sure, like this is the guy completely jacked up at his prime and missing, you know, well, he started off as a scrawny kid. <laughs> yeah, the thousands of hours he spent yeah. in the gym and all the time and energy. Getting pumped up. But when you see your high school buddy all pumped up and you remember what he looked like in high school. Sure. Then you could go, oh, maybe this is something I can attain to. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of why uh, Paul brings them into the conversation to say it doesn't really matter where you are at in this discipleship journey, whether you're brand new or been at this for a long time, what what you are doing matters. Yeah. I think that there's some there's some intentionality about where he puts it in the letter also. Mm. Cause if you if you remember, this is coming right after the Messiah poem. Right. And so Paul is talking about this is what it looks like to to live this sort of life. You need to show the humility, you know, you need to live with Christ's humility. Um and then he's and he's like, and this is the example that Christ set. Like this is this is the perfect example of what it looks like. Right. And then right after that, he's like And let me tell you about Timothy and Paphroditus, who I'm sending to you. Hmm. Like, these guys get it. And you're like, wait, but they're not, they're not anything special. They're like me. They're, they're very, yeah, I mean, he's just a fellow worker, fellow soldier. Yeah. Timothy's just a kid. Like, wet behind the ears. We can't, what, what? No, not Timothy. And then, then after that, as we're going to talk about this week, then Paul uses his own example. 
right? And we so had a, a little bit of Paul's example in, in chapter one where he talks about just his ability to kind of put aside what other people say about him. Sure. Uh, and he's, he's um, whether to live or to die, like either way, you know, it's, it's, it's going to bring glory to Christ, mm. you know. And so, again, that just seems, what's the word you use today on Slack? Oh, man. Starts with an E. Eloquent? Yeah, elephant must have been it. No. If, Elephant? <laughs> I don't know. Epiphoral or... Ethereal. Oh, ethereal. Ethereal. Yeah. That's the word, ethereal. Yeah. Okay. Like otherworldly. Like even Paul's response, like Paul's example presented in chapter one. It's really up there, and you're like, really? I could never attain that. Right. And Timothy and Epaphroditus brings it right down to earth. You know, this is one of the reasons why I loved my experience uh, being part of real life in Pulse Falls and then real life in Moscow. We had we had guys that were uh, butchers, become pastors, um, you know, worked at, Safe, I think, Safeway for 20 years sure. as a butcher, become a pastor. A guy that was a chef, become a pastor. We had a guy that was a, a coach of a basketball team. Where's the candlestick maker? Become I was just thinking that. Become a pastor. Um, he's he's somewhere in there, <laughs> somewhere in the story. Um, you know, I'm I have a military background. Hmm. Um, I have some bi- biblical training, but my primary training is in communications within the Air Force. You are, uh, what's your background? You are, uh, I was a music composer, music (laughs) composition. Yeah. It's my training is your training. You know, and so you have all these various backgrounds, um, insurance salesmen, you know, just, just the gamut of, you know, guys and gals that, uh, love the Lord and grew up next door to you. And, uh, you know, no formal training, as it were, from a, you know, as far as a eight-year degree, you know, six-year degree. Yeah. You know, an MDiv degree. Sure. Um, You know, some of them go on to get those degrees later, but they're being used in service for the kingdom. it's after they've started doing it. Right. Well, my youth pastor growing up, he still doesn't have a like pastoral degree. But yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that he taught us, I still remember to this day. Yeah. Like, and it was just his, his own, um, devotion and personal learning that resonated with us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that definitely comes into play with why Paul is choosing Timothy and Epaphroditus. And why it's maybe not all that important that we know tons of details about him. I mean, we know Timothy goes on to be a pastor. Um, but we never really hear about Epaphroditus after this, as far as I know. Kind of makes me think of the um, parable of the talents. Mm. You have like a hundred talents, and then like the... Uh, it gets to like smaller with each person. So, I don't know. That made me think of it for some reason. Faithful with what with whatever, with whatever they have. you have. Okay, yeah. I see the connection there. Okay, it's not too far out in left field. Okay, <laughs> it just popped into my head. So, congratulations, <laughs> you get that thought. Pop. 
Yeah. Pop. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So the next thing that we want to talk about is uh, a little bit of what Brandon brought up in his sermon um, regarding his his growing up. So if you didn't catch that, go listen to that. Uh, it won't take too much of your life. Um, but uh, go give that a listen, maybe twice. And uh, the tension of growing up and, and walking and, and wrestling with what that looked like. So, Rob, let's talk about tension here. Yeah, you know, it was it was a moment to see into uh, Brandon's story a little bit, where he grew up with a with a dad with with a church background and a mom that had no church background, and and from the sounds of it, just really uh, still doesn't have an interest in the things of God, and you could see, I could see as he shared that, just the emotion that came to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And so as Brandon wrestled with this passage and has wrestled with this letter, he felt this tension that Philippi felt where these are people pursuing God, but they live in a very, in a culture that doesn't, Accept God for who God is. Mm. And it's a it's a common tension. It's common tension for us to have family members that are pursuing Christ, that uh, that go to church, that are engaged in the things of God. And at the same time, there's other family members that that do not, and it creates tension within conversations, it creates tension in how do we celebrate, it creates tension. Sure. And um, I feel like it's a it's a common experience for us, but we don't always talk about that within the church world. No. Sometimes we kind of avoid that subject. Well, it's a hard conversation, so why wouldn't you just, uh, and look, a distraction. <laughs> Shiny thing. Shiny things. Yeah, you know, it becomes the... Unspoken prayer request mm-hmm. in small group, <laughs> um, <laughs> or becomes the uh, the reason why we avoid talking about you know our last trip to to see family, mm-hmm. you know wh- whatever the case may be. But um, I I just when he shared that, I thought absolutely this is a common experience. I mean, how many families? Are there out there that just have a hundred percent people that are all in for for Jesus? Sure, I think that's a rarity. Mm. Yeah, right. and well, and I mean, if you ask them, even if you even if it looks like everybody's all in on, you know, this whole family's all just a bunch of dedicated dedicated Christians, they're still going to have people that they're close with, right? That they feel that tension, right? And I don't think you ever get away with that, you or you don't get away with it, get away from that, because I think that's probably God calling us to influence people's lives. Yeah, and it's it's a sometimes a a long <clears throat> grind. You know, my grandmother witnessed to her her mother for forty plus years, and. Mm. My grandmother, great grandmother, when 
when she was in her 80s, she would still walk down to Dandy's, which was a restaurant in Spokane. It was a kind of like a local version of uh, Dairy Queen. And she Sounds would have dandy. her, she'd have her burger and her fries and her shake for lunch and for dinner, every day. Hmm. And she's in her eighties and she's getting a little slower. And someone backs up into her in the, in a parking lot. Oh, jeez. And so, my grandmother was told at the time, your mom only has a few days to live. Hmm. And so my grandmother had another conversation with her mom and said, Mom, will you receive Jesus as your Savior? And she did. And she didn't live three days. She lived three years. (laughs) But 40, 50 years of having that conversation with her mom. Sure. Yeah. And praying and hoping to see her mom come to Christ. Well, and good on your grandmother for pursuing that for 40 years. Yeah. I think of, uh, you know, people in my life that I have that tension with. Once that conversation's been had maybe two times, Mm. maybe three, I'm like, all right, I'm going to just let that sit. I'm not going to chase it. You know, or how often do we settle into the, yep, we know you believe that and you believe this and we just don't talk about it. Right. 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 You just, and, and you just, you ignore the tension. It's still there, but you just kind of, you learn to ignore it and it's the elephant in the room. Mm. Yeah. I, f- I think that takes some wisdom and knowing how to approach that tension. And I, and I feel like it's a conversation that uh, those of you have, been there before need to have with those of us who are just coming into that tension (laughs) you know like this is a discipleship moment um if you're living within that tension and you're not sure how i encourage you to seek out some wisdom um pray with some people about this you know have a discussion about it uh recognize that you're not the only one and it was a real emotional moment for our buddy Brandon and and uh, I was grateful that f- as he was preaching that he let this story of Philippians hit his heart in mm-hmm. this in this very uh, important area of his life. So yeah, it was really good. When I was talking with him about the sermon, he uh, he was not expecting to get emotional talking about that. Mm. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, oh!" And there's there's emotion there. <laughs> kind of caught him off guard. Um, so, the best type of emotion. Yeah, <laughs> sneaky, <laughs> the sneaky emotions. The sneaky emotions. Uh, sure, that's terrible. We'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Sure. Ninja emotions. Ninja emotion. Yeah. Assassin emotion. <laughs> it's terrible. No, yeah. I had in college. My first year, I ended up living with, um, it was me and then three other girls, and only one of them I was went to college to live with. The other two I was, one of them I played with as a child, and the other one I went to high school with. Like, we all ended up in the same dorm room, which was super weird. Hmm. But my one roommate was LDS background, and I knew that 
previously because my high school there was like maybe 10 people that had no affiliation with LDS community that I knew of um, in my graduating class of like 350. Oh, yeah. I was um, going to ask you, what's the number? Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, there was... Three you get fifth, singled out. 340 to 10. Yeah. Yeah, You get okay. singled out because they had a release time, so they would all dress up on like two days, and so everyone, you would know who was an LDS because everyone dressed up except for the people who weren't LDS. But I had some really good conversations with her in college because we would just like, okay, well, we're just going to talk. Like, I'm not going to try to persuade you to my idea and you're not going to do the same. We're just going to like talk. And it was, and I, I prayed about it before we would do it because I'm like, I want to plant seeds. Like I want this, but I don't want it to become about like, I want to win you to my side or like, cause then I felt like you lose the relationship and, but it was a very interesting I mean, it was a very interesting conversations hmm. that we would have, but and we're still good friends. So That's I feel cool. like that was a win. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about our differences and walked away friends. Yeah. That's not allowed. Come I on, America. So. We could actually do that. You're not allowed to do that anymore. I you have to share to. a meme and make them mad. I don't like that. <laughs> Facebook is an angry place. That makes me sad. If you can't share a meme that makes them mad, then you're not winning. But I don't... And you have to okay. win. It's all, Your side has to win, obviously. Duh. The relationship wins. That's what I'm winning for. All, all of that was said with sarcasm. I know. Disclaimer for anyone who didn't pick that up. I'm a very, like, <laughs> neutral person. It's dripping I don't... through my beard. That's your sarcasm for the day. That's, that might be your dose for the week. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks for joining us on another episode of Footnotes. Hopefully you uh, had a great time. We did. Uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Bye. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge Podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.